Coming to you live, this is your MTG Action Forward News Team. Hi, this is Sir Brian of the Forthos Cast. And if you want to know more about the story we're about to talk about, you can listen to Vorthos Cast episodes 143 through 148, where we talk about call time and the various different things uh, in the story and the flavor gems of the set. See you there. Welcome, fellow adventurers. It's me, Mr. Combo number five. And it's Murphus here. And I'm Sir Brian. If you are looking more into lore discussion, be sure to check out the Vorthos cast. Sir Brian, what are you guys currently talking about today? Well, we are currently getting ready for Kamigawa. Um, we will be discussing the different things in the history of Kamigawa as well as the story as it's approaching. I'm not sure how timey-wimey stuff happens here, but we'll also be talking to... Uh, we'll be talking about uh, the Boom comics as well as uh, um, interviewing Jed McKay, who will be on the show that releases on January 24th of this month. And he's the guy behind the Boom comics for Magic. So I probably won't be on those episodes because I will be traveling. But uh, yeah, be sure to take a listen. That's awesome. Yeah, guys, be sure to head over to the Vorthos cast. So today... Everyone, The Collective, we're starting a brand new episode segment. This is going to come around about once every six weeks. It's called Where in the Multiverse is Fibblethip? Because let's be honest, uh, until Fibblethip actually got his legendary card, we didn't know where he was in the multiverse. The dude just kind of went wherever he felt like it, at least to a uh, lore novice like myself. So... What we're this whole episode and series moving forward is going to feature Sir Brian, a great friend of the cast, and someone who knows a lot more about lore than Murphus and myself. So every six weeks, we're going to be talking about a plane that may have come out in a set in the last 12 to 18 months, um, and it's going to consist of three different sections. The first one's going to be stories that gets left hanging. This is going to be really where the story, what was left untold. Um, I know with the set we're talking about today, Brian and I have talked off cast and he's like, what the hell? Why do they bring in this particular character? They didn't do anything with them. Um, and then where do we think the story could go the next time we approach that plane? The next thing will be unexplained omission. These are characters that, you know, potentially we believe should have appeared. Maybe they appeared on the plane in a past story and it went unresolved. Maybe it's just like, hey, flavor-wise, why didn't this person planes walk over? We'll kind of talk about that. Then we're going to round out the episode with something that everyone always loves that we used to do on MTG Action 4 News all the time, tinfoil hat. This is going to really be around the next time we visit... Who do you think we'll encounter? Could be a particular character. Could be someone's spark getting igniting. Maybe even a item in the story that could actually become a card. So today, Murphus, what plane are we going to? Today we're going to be diving into everybody's favorite Vikings. Uh, we're going to be getting into Kaldheim. Um, and Sir Brian, uh, just wanted to ask a quick question as somebody who didn't. Uh, get deep into the Kaldheim lore. Can you give me uh, a one-minute, two-minute overview? Where where did we go and where did we leave off? Sure. So we start the story with Kaya showing up on Kaldheim, having been hired by yet another mysterious patron to investigate some random or slayings or disturbances caused by some kind of monster on Kaldheim. So she shows up and um, after traveling with the uh, with Aldrin, the god of uh, foresight, I believe. Gosh. Basically the uh, Watsi version of Odin. Yeah, god of the cosmos. And they run into Vordenklex. Uh and we don't get a whole lot of information as to how he got there or why he got there. He's just there. He's kind of damaged. Um, and there's not a lot of explanation, but he seems to have been consuming large beasts to regenerate himself. 
and the monster, like the 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 travelers, the, the people who are with uh, Kaya and the traveler who now reveals himself to be uh, Aurand, uh, are basically fighting this beast and they force it to flee. Um, but Kaya is now trying to investigate what's going on, so she gets on. She borrows Aurin's boat um, and goes and runs into uh, Tarvar Kel um, as she's doing all this investigation. And they discover uh, Tybalt, who Tybalt. was uh, disguised as Valky. And like they, they realize he's up to no good and they start chasing him across the, the Ten Realms of Kaldheim, and eventually they realize that he's trying to start Doomscar, which is basically Ragnarok for uh, Kaldheim. And, you know, they, they basically are trying to stop this Doomscar from destroying everything. So they, they meet up with um, Halvar, the god of battle, and a bunch of other gods or other legendary people like there are a bunch of name drops of a bunch of the legends of this set in this final battle. And basically they, they drive off, they prevent the doom scar from being horrific, even though there was a, a large pitch battle that, you know, had casualties, but all of this mm-hmm. was a smoke screen uh, for Vorn who had hired Bay, who had basically infected Tybalt and told him that he would be able to live if he did what Vorn asked was to cause chaos and basically, while this Doomscar was being prevented, Vornklex sneaks into the sneaks to the World Tree, uh, fatally wounds Essica, the goddess of the tree, steals the uh, Tyrite, which is what um, the gods on Kaldheim consume to keep their longevity and their superhuman powers. And he basically reports into some boss who I assume is Tezzeret and is teleported away from the scene. That's the last thing that we see on the, in the Kaldheim story. Oh man, you gotta love it. You gotta love the Phyrexians, man. My, no, no, my no, you don't pattern. No, no, you oh. don't. You, you absolutely <laughs> do not. Nor should do you, know, you. Do you know who was just fatally wounded? Murphus. Murphus was fatally wounded right there. <laughs> Good. Phyrexians should not be suffered to live. Oh my goodness. Yeah. All right, guys. So stories that gets left hanging. Um, there was a lot that Brian just kind of briefed us on, and I think we gotta start with the end of the story for the first thing we talk about. The secret Phyrexian leader pulling the strings from what I've kind of read online, a lot of people think is like New Phyrexia, possibly the person speaking was Elish Norn. I don't know where she last was seen or is doing or it's doing. So what do you guys, do you think this is leading up to like a New Phyrexia takeover of Kaldheim? No, I don't think, me personally, I don't think that New Phyrexia is super interested in taking over Kaldheim. They were just intrigued by the thought of something that made things invulnerable, um, especially Mm. if it could help them traverse the cosmos and continue Yawgmoth's will to uh, be a planeswalker and hop between planes and take over all these planes. Um, And the Tyrite, or however you pronounce that, is... It sounds like a good way to do that. It, it makes it makes these gods on Kaldheim immortal or borderline mm-hmm. immortal. They can be killed, but it makes them super long long lived, and it gives them supernatural power. So maybe that can help them bridge the gap where the Blind Eternities, which is where Planeswalkers go between planes, um, normally non-planeswalkers or anything that's non or or anything that's organic that is not a planeswalker tends to decay and be destroyed in the blind eternities which is why planeswalkers outside of kaya can't typically bring anything with them or can't take other people or consumables when they travel throughout plane from from plane to plane Hmm. so like it could be Elishnorn on their side. It could. I, I'm like it wouldn't be surprising to me if it was Elishnorn. But I think the one thing that we know is that Tezzeret left War of the Spark with the ability to open portals for creatures or other beings to 
travel through. Ooh, um, good point. So uh, we know that the new Phyrexians on Mirrodin or new Phyrexia, I refuse, I, I don't like calling it new Phyrexia, but it's, Mir- <laughs> it'll sure. always be Mirrodin to me. It, but, it's uh, like new Asgard and uh, the Marvel movies. It's it'll, just like, it'll, ah, it's a little silly. Yeah. It'll um, never be Mirrodin to me again, my man, new yeah. Phyrexia for life. So <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to ignore that. Um, so as far as we know, uh, Elishnorn and her ilk don't, did not have the ability to travel from plane to plane, which leads me to believe that Tethred is somehow involved with his new bolus-like machinations. But we'll see. Uh, we there's a lot of gray area that could be filled with random story points. So it, it'll be interesting to see what happens. So, so question off of this, um, and maybe this, maybe this belongs a little later in the cast, but. Why Vorinclex? Of all the dudes in all the land, why Vorinclex? That's really an excellent question, but I'm guessing it probably just has to do with the fact that the other Praetors are a little bit more self-serving and they aren't really interested in, like, I'm I'm guessing this was a test run to see if they could survive off-plane or if they could survive the process. And Vorinclex was the most hardy and hale of them and the most unlikely to really care he would he'd probably live up to the challenge and be super intrigued about being able to see if he could survive it and then conquer whatever was on the other side of said portal so he's the dumb muscle of the group so expanding on that brian um i had done obviously i did research around this and one of the things i had read is like yeah when vorinclex went through the portal and entered called all of his organic matter basically got stripped away Mm -hmm. and he was just bone and metal. And what, what the one uh, video I was watching um, kind of alluded to was, well, deer have a thing for bones. Like that's deer like to go and chew on bones. And uh, you know, there's deer in Kaldheim. So maybe it was just like this random deer came by, there's this corpse. And then, you know, Vornclex went after it. The thing I'm curious about is, do you think they maybe picked Vorinclex because green, and I don't know how much story to card design there really is, but do you think it's because green does regenerate? Like, that's a very common green mechanic. So it was, hey, we'll send the green Phyrexian through because maybe a future Vorinclex card will have regenerate. I mean, is that, is that too much of a stretch? I think it is. I, I don't think okay. Wizards is looking to bring back Regenerate because of all the confusion involved with that. Um, I, like, I, I, I honestly just think it was just because they're they're emphasizing the fact that Vorinclex is the dumb muscle of all the Praetors. And That's fair. It, I think it's just as simple as that. I, I don't think Regenerate is any, it's coming back anytime soon outside of some kind of random commander product. It's not going to be in standard anytime soon. And- and with that, that also would probably not be accurate, but this also isn't a sign that Vorinclex is Golgari now. He is black and green. You, you think that's, not no, it's, he's just the big dumb muscle guy and it's just the way they made the story work. That, that would be my, my interpretation of it, you know, but I'm not, I don't work at Watsi, so we'll see. <laughs> yeah. And, and to this point too, I think, uh, putting my mechanical hat on, I, I think that we get that sense of Vorinclex's Vorinclex reminds me of a virus or a disease. Like just mechanically it thrives, it duplicates things that it cares about and it eliminates things that it doesn't. Right. And so I think we get some of that mm. regenerative uh, vibe from green okay. in his uh, nasty, nasty counter <laughs> synergy, my man. That's very true. So, Brian, another thing I was curious about, you talked about it earlier, you know, Vornclex basically poisoned Tybalt, even though Tybalt, from what I've read, he's never one to shy away from chaos. Like the dude loves chaos, but, you know, he's not necessarily just a free agent. Just he's not the Joker. He just doesn't. Hey, you want to do chaos? Sure, I'll do some chaos. Uh, So Vornclex poisons him and says, hey, I'll give you the antidote if you do all this bidding for me. And Tybalt's more than happy to. We never hear about the antidote again. Or, you know, all we hear is that Tybalt basically leaves the the sword of, uh, the realms. I want to say, des- thank you, sword of the realms. He basically drops it, then planes walks away. 
Do you think this antidote is going to come back? Like the next time we see Tybalt, like maybe he's sick or maybe he's lost his spark. Do you think there could be anything with that piece of the story? It's highly possible. Um, I, I think I, I kind of disagree with you. I think Tybalt in his stories explicitly says he was planning on doing chaotic things anyway. So this was just <laughs> sure. added incentive for him to do so. Um, but I do think he is the type that he he is about self-preservation, even though he wants to cause all this chaos. He's not just going to cause chaos and then die doing it. He, he seems yep. to be a survivor of sorts. And, but, you know, the part about this whole story that I feel got left hanging was that Tybalt imprisoned Valky in the realm of Carfell with uh, King Narfi, that zombie lord from the set. Yep. But after Tybalt leaves, we don't know what happens to the real Valky or what happens yes. to um, King Narfi. Like, does he continue to hold Valky? How long does that going to last? I feel like this story, that, that that's a string that... Um, could be tugged on because all the gods could be like, hey, where, where's Valky? He must atone for his crimes. And uh, they find he's not, he's missing. And Narfi's suddenly sweating because the guy who promised him all these riches and good stuff is no Bounce. longer here <laughs> and he's not getting paid anymore. Um, yep. So that, that that's my yeah. thing. Okay. Yeah, because that was actually going to be one of the other things I was going to ask is last time we see real Volky, he's trapped in the ice due to Tybalt. And, but then we never hear about what happens to Volky again. That almost kind of seems to me like it's a setup for a future set similar to how uh, Theros Beyond Death. We spent basically a, from, I didn't read any lore on it yet, uh, so I could be wrong, but we spent most of it in the underworld. It was a lot of dealing with Ashiok and Elspeth. I almost wonder if it's like, hey, let's leave Valky trapped in the ice, and now when we want to come back to Kaldheim, we could kind of do almost a whole underworld type feel. It's self-contained into this area. We already got these characters here, and we'll just kind of create a story off of that for like a small expansion. Do you think maybe that's some seeds laid for the future? Definitely. Uh, I think there are, uh, there are several different little storylines that I can see being followed up on next time we come to uh, Call Time. Uh, you know, I, I didn't want to jump too far ahead in, in the notes, but um, I was expecting to see like this this whole Valky, Narfi storyline followed up on because the guys are going to be looking for somebody to put this blame on. And I also think that with Ethica dead, um, that leaves the current pa the the current pantheon of uh gods kind of in a, a weird spot because she was the only one who was able to make the tie right that made them essentially godlike and she didn't share her secrets so that could put them in a situation where they're steadily losing their powers and then the elves are united under um herald and that could possibly lead to the anir the elven gods returning um because the other gods are weak now so there, there, there are a lot of different things that they could do. Um, and me personally, me loving elves as much as I do, I would love to see the Enir come back or and challenge and maybe get some more elf tribal cards or, you know, elf gods. That that would be super sweet to me. So yeah, that that would be dope. I so what I'm hearing you say is that we might be looking forward towards really a, a war of the pantheons, right? Like this renewed um, fervor of a united elf clan bringing back their gods through, because a lot of this world seems to be focused. Uh, it reminds me a lot of Theros, right? Like faith in the pantheon perpetuates the pantheon. And there's this real interplay uh, between uh, the mortals and the immortals, right? Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, I guess with, with some of these, you know, you mentioned, uh, earlier, some, like most of these legends in this set were just name dropped, right? Like there was a bunch of name drops that happened as they were trying to prevent, uh, 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 the Ragnarok, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, which of those stories, which of those, uh, names that were dropped, did you feel like got closure? Did any of those names get, um, uh, yeah, sussed out and gain closure, or was there just lacking all across? Uh, 
I think with them focusing on the story of the Planeswalkers, I think that was really the only story they had any sort of closure. I think um, we didn't really get a whole lot of story points for the non-Planeswalker characters in the stories. We, we, I mean, they were basically just people that showed up, like the, the various gods that show up. We had Thyrja show up when Coma breaks out. And like, there are a bunch of random one-off appearances of some of these characters, but I don't, I don't really think that we got a true, um, I, I think this was a very Planeswalker focused story. So I don't think many of the characters, if any, got enough to even warrant having any kind of closure. Um, yeah, I think the closest thing we get to that are the elves, Harold, uh, Tyvar Kel's brother, Harold. I, I think he's the only one that we, just because we, we know who he is from earlier stories. So when he shows up in the final battle, we understand who he is and what his importance is. But even then, we don't actually get a whole lot of his story with with him having any sort of agency in the story outside of him showing up and not killing everyone just showing up and trying to help stop the, 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 the violence or whatnot. Um, so, you know, it, it's, I think, but I, I don't think that story is closed at all just because of the, the storyline that I would like to see that I just mentioned with, you know, the, the, the God battles <laughs> possibly. So. Yeah, that would be, that would be dope. Um, one last question for you. Um, kind of based on what you just said is uh, this was earlier. You mentioned that this is a planeswalker focused story, right? Like, mm -hmm. and they have a finite amount of space to tell these stories the way they're doing it. Now there aren't novels coming out uh, novels on novels on novels. Uh, and so we're, we're missing some of the human stories um, or like the mortal stories. Uh, that we got in the old days of lore. I'm I'm a MTG boomer, and so those are those. I grew up with the Weatherlight. You know yep. what I mean. Um, I guess just ex talk about that a little bit. This is a little bit of an aside, but what impact does this being a Planeswalker focused story have on the actual storytelling, the quality of the storytelling, the quality of the character development? Say a little bit about that. Well, I will say that there are some, I'd like to amend one of the statement I just made where some of the side characters didn't really get closure. There were a number of side stories that weren't directly impacted by the main story or had any impact on the main story. Like they, they were basically doing a set, they, they do a set number of main storyline stories and then they have a bunch of side stories for some of these other legends. So we did get some stories for that, but a lot of them weren't directly involved with the main storyline. Now, if you want to compare these to some of the storyline, like I, I, I got interested in magic because of the magic novels. Like the Weatherlight Saga was my, the main reason I started playing the game in the first place. Um, so I, I kind of see where that is, where, where people are coming from with wishing that. But I, I think you have to realize that, you know, magic is a very, very different. It's in a very different place. Um, you know, totally. People these days aren't super interested in buying novels, so they're not like there was an outcry when the Wars of Spark novels were announced because people didn't want to pay for their literature. They wanted the free e-stories back, which I get. Like I, I pay for my War of the Sark novels, even though, you know, they weren't the best and there were a lot of problematic parts of the story that, you know, people, a lot of people have given up on the story because of those novels. So you you got to be careful what you wish for. Um, I think WotC is doing what they can um, to try to re-engage with the Warthos audience, but there's a lot of trust to be regained because like I said, a lot of people are hurt by some of the choices that they made with Wars of Spark um, and some of the other stories in that in, in that period. Um, you know, you had different people have different reactions to uh, some of the stories or relationships within the, the, the storyline. 
think of Killian and his his tiger parent, and you have um, you know them basically getting rid of Chandra and Nissa's relationship. There, there's a lot of totally. trust to be regained with the community, and you know a lot of people haven't really been paying attention to the story because of that. I do. I, I've personally liked the last few blocks worth of stories. Um, you know, it, it's but you know, it's to each their own. I, I think the um, oh gosh, what's that set? Um, Celtic. Oh gosh, it's that's so bad. Um, broken in half set. Everything got banned. Questing beasts. Oh, you're talking oh, about uh, Throne of Eldraine. Yeah, Throne of Eldraine. That that novella from what was that that was a very good novella and I think it was a good story to read and I think a lot of people didn't get it because they had to pay for it on Amazon or whatever. Um mm. I, I thought it was a great read. Um So, but there's also the thing where Wizards isn't the best at advertising their stuff either. And trying to find all their yeah. stuff has been it's always been a pain in the butt. Like you have the arena program you have, like they could do a lot better job of advertising a lot of this stuff to make it more easily accessible and readily available from a place that they know people are engaging with them already. They could make it easier for people to find the stuff and they're not doing that. So that's something to, for them to keep in mind. But, you know, I, like I said, I, I think, this story is that they're they're making these stories like if you're looking at this as a boomer magic we're in the weatherlight saga i mean the gatewatch saga was basically pretty much it's on scale and you're following a set cast of characters but you're more likely to be able to follow these characters than you were from the weatherlight because they're not they're you're they're humans they're they're like they can travel they can planeswalk whereas the weatherlight totally pe- all of those crew members were essentially mortals who were stuck if they ever got separated from the ship. And Urza was one thing, but you know, planeswalkers back then were super overpowered. So it was really weird to try to tell stories when you have mages of godlike power doing things. So how do you write a story and keep it interesting where you have these mages that can do anything that they can, as long as they have the willpower and the mental capacity to think of it, they can do it. So, uh, yes, just the way the Garfield intended, uh, <laughs> way, way back when, um, I appreciate you expounding on that a little bit, uh, for me and maybe some of the other MTG boomers in the collective, if there are any of us that remain because we're, we're dinosaurs, my man, we're dinosaurs. Yeah. Well, guys, that stories that gets left hanging around Kaldheim. Now, of course, it'd be remit to say, because as many of you apparently want your free e-reads and refuse to pay for a novel, well, maybe you could head over to the store and buy some merch. cmdtower.com slash merch. We do have our awesome foil playmat finally in stock, finally on sale. It's only 25 bucks. White stitched, very thick, uh, thick. Uh, it's great. I'm actually, it's sitting in front of me right now. Uh, so you should definitely head out and get it. And by the time you guys hear this, we'll have our holiday Jund sweaters uh, in stock. So please, you know, definitely go out and support CMD Tower so we can continue to create cool new segments like this and always approve upon our product. Unexplained, unexplained omissions. Yeah. All right, guys. Unexplained omissions. Characters that we think should have been here in the story. So I actually think we should start with Brian because you're probably going to know better on who should have possibly been here because through my research, I really saw just one glaring person that we never saw. So who are some people that you thought we needed to see uh, on call time? Yeah, I don't really have a super long list for this either. Um, my, my my main thing is Narfi, uh, King Narfi. I, I, want, I really was expecting him to be involved with the Doomscar stuff, um, like more directly, because, you know, it's one thing to trust the God of Lies or the, someone who's posing as the God of Lies to bring you back treasure to to pay your side of a debt for keeping <laughs> an actual God of Lies in captured, right? So mm-hmm. I, I think I would have expected him to send some raiders to help with that whole conquest and to 
be readily available and to, to collect immediately payment. So, but, you know, we just get him in a, you know, in the side basically, and don't hear from him ever again. So I think that's the only character that I can really think of that, that, that comes to mind right now that I, I was expecting to see, but we didn't see that much. Yeah. He, that character almost sounds like, a description of the great uh, of House Frey in Game of Thrones, where you know they kind of working for the bad guys, but they wouldn't like go send troops and support until they had come back with it. And you know, granted, in Game of Thrones, it worked out to where they d- eventually did get their riches and spoils and stuff. But it seems a little bit like that, where maybe King Narfi's like, yeah, yeah, we'll do it. You got to show show back up first with, with with our money or our treasure or our loot. Yep. I'm not I'm not going to risk my zombies or whatever for your cause. But I bet you, if maybe we come back to this, maybe that's about the whole real Valky. Maybe Tybalt finally does show back up with the treasures and spoils and does something more. Maybe we get that the next time around. But yeah, that was a little little weird. That it's just hey, here's this guy, and you never hear from him again. So I I'm approaching this from a guy who who loves the cards and uh, I don't know if this person is from Kalfheim, but in my heart of hearts, in the deepest heart of my hearts, Attractive. I wanted to see Saskia the Unyielding. I wanted to see Saskia in Kalfheim and she was from the C- C-16 four color commander precons, uh, really powerful four color but I would have loved to see her story because the little bit of the story that we get about her is uh, powerful and tragic. Like she's the sole mm-hmm. survivor of some massacre and spends a bunch of time in isolation building these monuments as the tradition and united the people of the land to battle. Um, what are your thoughts? I, I mean, I, I I wanted to see Saskia and yeah. that's... Egg on my face, I suppose. I don't think Saskia is from this plane. Um, Saskia has a, a Viking-like appearance, but based on the the the, the little hints that they've put, and I, I don't here, have, maybe? No, she's so in that same. Uh, no, not that same. There was another Commander product where uh, it was a vampire called Lycia. Um, mm-hmm. She was at. I think she was a six-drop vampire. Um, that you paid life to um, give her plus one plus one counters, I think. Um, uh, but my, the, based on the information that I had, my I was uh, I was approaching this as if Saskia and her were from the same plane, and Lycia was one of the ones who was involved with raising Saskia's village. I don't oh. remember the exact. Um, story points that point to that but i believe there were hints in the blurbs about both of them that hinted at that but it wasn't blatantly said and if you kind of look at them um lycia is kind of from a roman kind of plane and saskia would be one of the gauls uh gaul analogies but again this is rooted off of speculation um and small things that i've heard but i can't remember the exact details of Totally. That's pretty cool. And but uh, I love Saskia. I have a Saskia deck myself. So Yeah, I was yeah. just gonna say I, I guess that's uh my bad for hoping beyond hope that somebody who looks like a Viking may be. But but Viking. but hey, but that, here, here here's the thing though. We're in magic. What's to say that someone that doesn't even associate with the plane just did we ever think Vorinclex was going to randomly show up on Kaldheim? I remember it was a year ago, Brian and uh, you and I were, were texting, and it was just like, what the fuck is Vorinclex doing here? There's no other Phyrexians, there's no other mention, it's mm-hmm. just this random-ass dude. Uh, so, I mean, there's nothing wrong with thinking that Saskia just, like, what the hell are you doing here? Oh, I'm just here to beat ass, you know, no big deal. Um, the character I was shocked wasn't in this story, or even mentioned, was Ramaz. So Ramaz actually is a foe to Chandra. Uh, she tracked him from Zendikar to Kaldheim, uh, actually battled him on Kaldheim, but he escaped. And he's actually the one that manipulated Chandra into bringing, I, I think it's like the the vial or the, the 
it's basically the like some sort of scroll. Thank you. Uh, brought that back to Zendikar and what's basically started uh, the Eldrazi uh, takeover. So that was that was a character. Even if it's like, hey, he has nothing to do with this. I'm shocked we didn't just get a card or something talking about Ramaz because that almost seems like, and this kind of jumps forward to the tinfoil hat, which we're not going to segue to yet, but it jumps to, you know, hey, maybe when we come back to Kaldheim, maybe it's a Chandra versus Ramaz type thing. Ramaz was someone that people believe was being manipulated by an elder dragon. I, It's not been confirmed, but I believe it's what we all assume is Nicol Bolas. You know, he's kind of the manipulator. That's a, that's another one, and I want to say Ugin's a character that just uh, Murph and I were talking about this. It, he he doesn't. We don't know a ton, and we don't see him a lot on cards. So I thought Ramaz would be someone we could see. Do you know much about Ramaz's story, Brian, and maybe why we didn't see him? So I played Duels of the Planeswalkers way back when, but I always okay. got the feeling that he was dead. I I, I don't know. Like I thought we defeated him in that at the end of that story, but I could be confused. Like I could be like misremembering that whole story arc. But I was under the impression he was just gone. But that that he mm. could still be around. So who knows? I, I don't. It's been a while since I've even thought of him as a character. So. Oh okay. Yeah, I want to say the the last thing that we kind of saw about this guy. So if you guys aren't familiar, Ramaz is just like this human planeswalker, shaman, shaman, however you want to say it. Um, and the last note is, yes, it was in the Duels of the Planeswalker 2014 game. Um, and it just basically says in his story, after a skirmish, he escaped, revealing that he'd only been a minion and yet a greater scheme, subservient to a mysterious dragon whose voice he followed. That's literally the last we hear from him. It's not even like he planeswalked away. It's just he escaped. So it's like, at least for this, you would think if he escaped, he's somewhere in one of the Ten Realms. And I would imagine if he has some massive elder dragon that almost 10 years ago was giving him orders and stuff. And I get it. Magic doesn't go on our linear timeline. But I, I, that was just a little bit of a, a miss, I thought. All right, guys. Well, that's going to wrap up Unexplained Omissions. And we want to let you know about our awesome patron community, uh, patreon.com slash Tower. Literally, guys, a buck a month. You can join it to the Discord. Talk about what where in the multiverse is Fibblethip Kaldheim edition. Uh, talk with Sir Brian, talk with Murphus, talk with myself, Squee McGee, you know, Tuck, uh, Tico's. Get to talk to the whole cast. We jam games on there. Um, you know, we have a pretty vibrant community for literally just a dollar, but we do have other tiers that do get you some sweet sag. So be sure to head over to our Patreon. And it's tinfoil hat time. All right, guys, we're at the end of the episode. We got one segment left, and it's tinfoil hat time. This is where no one can be wrong except for me, only to Sir Brian, because uh, everything <laughs> I say is just false, false, and more false. Uh, this is going to be all about what do we think we're going to see when we come back to Kaldheim. And I want to start this off because I want to get Murph real excited. And I want to make Brian real sad. I think Phyrexia is going to be the next thing that we're going to see when we come back to Kaldheim. And here's a little bit of the stuff that I've seen. Kaldheim is actually really close to the realm of Ixalan. I guess in the multiverse, Ixalan's the closest uh, plane to Kaldheim. Well, we do remember the card, Fountain of Icker. It kind of loosely hints at Phyrexia, the priest digging up. It's this oozy substance. They don't really know what it is. Um, Vornclex, obviously coming back. Um, you know, Brian did that great explanation. The thing that we did leave out is like Vornclex took something from Eskia's shrine or altar and took it back with him through the portal. Well, I think Brian. To, to right. Okay. And I think to your point, the Phyrexians probably did send him as a grunt to go get this thing for us because we want to see, can it make us immortal? And what I believe this is going to transition into is almost like a Phyrexian invasion of Kaldheim. And this is where we're going to get Phyrexians that are indestructible. Uh, because it'll it'll maybe be even one of each of the Praetors. And maybe this is where we see a Traxa come back. Um and so that's a little bit of what I was kind of thinking. I know Murphus is very excited about prospects of uh, Phyrexia and Kaldheim, but Brian is, is does that kind of is that kind of the way the story works? It's like, well, Ixalan did have some Phyrexia stuff. They probably have to deal with it first, and then it is next to Kaldheim. You know, they could just come over. Is that kind of how that works, or do you think that's a little too stretchy? 
Um, like realistically, because of how vague they left that ending, it's highly possible. Like, I, I guess if I were, I, I, I'm not sure that that's the first thing that I would jump to is they've kind of dabbled in ruining planes with invaders from another plane in the past. And I'm not sure that they want to do that. Like they, we, we kind of saw a backlash with when the Eldrazi invaded in the Strahd. Like it's, it's kind of not a, a great thing to completely decimate a plane where you haven't even been here more than once and to completely un- unleash that kind of havoc on a plane that's just recovering from an almost apocalyptic thing is I'm not sure that they're, they're eager to do that just yet, especially with kind of the storyline that I kind of hinted at earlier that was possible. Um, I'm not sure that that's the route that I would go to, but I can't say without any, with any cer- kind of certainty that that's not what's going to happen. Me personally, I think they're more looking at just getting the technology from Ethica, the Tyrite, and applying it to their newly completed freighters and possibly their minions to be able to survive these portals and basically make another Lazatep army out of Phyrexians to start a, a multiverse-wide invasion. So maybe they do start with Kaldheim, but I'm not sure that that would be the, my first guess as to what they're doing. Murphus, before you kind of throw your thoughts in or, or ask a different question, you literally just light bulbed me. What if... Yes, okay, you know, we, we separate Kaldheim, but the next time we see the Phyrexians, because they were able to get that from Asika, do you think we could see a new mechanic that's almost like um, fade counters, you know, every upkeep, remove a counter, but it's for indestructibility? It could almost be like the little minions in Eldrazi. It's a a one-two for a colorless black, and it has like fade two. As long as it has a fade counter on it, it's indestructible. Beginning of your upkeep, you remove a fade counter. It'd be a way to kind of do this like, hey, we're pushing you through the portal, and we're giving you the solution so you don't die through it. But it's not like you're indestructible forever. You you aren't impenetrable. It's just to get you through. Do you think that could be a, a mechanic that they kind of a loop from the story to that or not so much? I'm not sure if you've ever played with fading, but I don't ever want to play with fading any in any kind of tournament environment ever again. Like it's there's so much memory involved with that, and if you have multiple things with fading, I don't think that can be a theme for a set. Like well, and I'm and I might have used the wrong terminology from fade, but just a counter that every upkeep you have to remove it it, until any anything where I'm removing a counter at the beginning of my upkeep, and if you're trying to apply it to a bunch of minion creatures, absolutely not. (laughs) So (laughs) I I just created a mechanic that broke Brian, is what I just heard. Well, it's not just breaking Brian; like it's I, I have memories of playing with these kind of creatures, and like. If you have a bunch of them on the battlefield and then you have and you like get stopped mid mid upkeep and you're like, oh, crap, did I already remove a counter from this or did I remove a counter from this one? Which ones did I remove counters from? Like, that's that's <laughs> I want no part of that. <laughs> that's fair. And I don't oh, think but, Wizards uh, does either. Oh, but friends, we have arena arena is the gift oh arena there we go is the solution uh, arena is, a, is the gift but i i don't think we're they're they're willing to just give up on paper magic that quickly totally i i i totally get you i i think fading is mechanically pretty difficult anytime you're tracking counters especially on a phase that like to new players honestly isn't super intuitive. The upkeep Mm -hmm. is just kind of like a nonsense step. Um, (laughs) I like that nonsense step. Yeah. Like if you were adding counters to things, but maybe, but even then that's not much better. Yeah. I, so I think any kind of tracking, what they've started to do, if you look at like design wise is tracking happens at the end step for a lot of things like counters and permanents. And so I think of uh, inexorable tide, right? Like, proliferate at your end step. I could see something like that, uh, like fix fading so it's not trash. Uh, mm-hmm. It's it's kind of like fixing echo. 
I don't know if you guys ever played with Echo, but Echo's the worst. It's like, here's my bad card, and now I have to pay double for it. Cool. <laughs> Sounds great. Thanks, thanks, Wizards. This feels good. Absolutely not. Like basically, so, if the, if if the mechanic was in any of the sets prior to Invasion, I don't think they're they're super eager to bring it back. <laughs> like <laughs> I, I think phasing got lucky that they bought they found better ways to template it. But I think that's the only mechanic that I can think of pre-Invasion that that can come back gracefully. It, it, it's. Ugh. Bring back banding. Yes. Bring Hashtag back triple B. Hashtag triple B right here. Let's go. This is a Vorthos cast. Can we move on, please? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So with that, uh, tinfoil theory. Tinfoil. I'm putting on my biggest tinfoil hat. I think the world tree can die. I think the world tree can die with a Sika gone and no source of Tyrite. Like, I, I am skeptical about the longevity of the world tree. So I think that there's a possibility unless they can figure out how to make Tyrite. So you're like, thinking that the whole plane's just gonna collapse and die? Cause doesn't if the world I, tree goes the 10 realms, what happens to them? I am wondering if this is where the elven pantheon like clicks into play and you see this, like the old gods battling against these uh, elven deities who are re-emerging because they don't understand that the elven deities know a secret. Like they were the progenitors oh. of the world tree. Like they they predate. From my understanding, correct me if I'm wrong, Sir Brian. They they predate the pantheon with like um, Sika and Valky and Alarund. So I. They do. I don't think that the world tree relies on the tyrite being harvested because the tyrite is basically the sap of the world tree that's being like manipulated by Essica or Essica to to create this tyrite, right? It's so I, I don't think that the world tree relies on Essica. I think Essica is the god of the tree, but. It, that's possible. I, it, I think it could happen. I don't think it will, but it's definitely something that could happen. I, I don't think, but again, I don't think that the world tree relies on Essica. I think Essica is just the god who's responsible for harvesting the, the Tyrite or from the tree and using that to empower the gods with the Tyrite that she's able to create from the essence of that tree. Sure. That's cool. Well, the only other thing I have for you, Brian, and this is a mix of story to gameplay, because, you know, that's that's a lot of where I live in. Um, I was reading through here, and one of the weird things about Kaldheim with the Ten Realms is that it's protected by what they call the Cosmos, and it's basically a realm in between all the realms that Planeswalkers cannot cross, and it's kind of represented by the World Tree. Planeswalkers can't just willy-nilly Planeswalk normally to these, and that's why throughout the story, it's, it's uh, Arnand, is that how we say it? The god of the Cosmos? Arnand, yeah. Alrond. Um, Alrond having to help Kaya get from realm to realm, had to open portals to do so. I believe throughout the story, Tybalt was using the sword to kind of help him get. So one thing I'm curious about is, once again, if we come back to this, we know that planeswalkers have egos. Uh, see Nikki B. Um, that is not Nikki Minaj. That is definitely Nicobolus. And... Uh, this is something we saw a little bit of Tybalt do, and we obviously have seen Planeswalkers in stories use legendary weapons and cool gear and armor, but we have we don't have a mechanic to let, do that in the paper game today. Do you think if we come back to call time and they do want to bring in, you know, if we don't do this like new god versus old god thing, and it's like other Planeswalkers are coming, but now the gods don't want to help them, they can't Planeswalk. Do you think we could see a resurgence of Planeswalkers using like epic weapons that they find across time, which then translate into the cards, where we could actually have equipment for Planeswalkers? Do you, do you think there could be anything with that cosmos preventing them for Planeswalking to where it trickles down to the game? Well, first... I'm going to address the legendary equipment thing. I think we might be getting a little better of that in Kamigawa based on some of the oh. things that I've seen. But okay. as, as far as like Tyvar Kell was able to planeswalk 
or not planeswalk, but was able to open up portals on Kaldheim to the other realms. Um, it, it is something that you can learn how to do if you are mm, inclined okay. to do so. Um, but yeah, Alrond was able to give his boat to Kaya so that she was able to travel where she needed to go until she met Tyvar. Mm-hmm. Um, but Tyvar's people and I guess other mages on the plane are able to, if with enough training or enough prowess, were able to create portals for themselves outside of using the blade of the realms. Um, so I don't think, to me, that doesn't sound like a, a story point that would be worth creating uh, legendary weapons. But again, it's it's something that possibly could happen. I just don't think that they've set it up for that kind of story. I, I think the fact that the Sword of the Realms was a, a super powerful thing that was meant for a god, I, I don't think that they're willing, to, they're, they're angling the story in a way to where they can just make a bunch of cool magical items so that people can just travel the world like that. I, I don't think that's where they're going. Story to mechanics and for this set, but you never know. We'll see. All right, guys. Well, that was tinfoil hat around Kaldheim. Uh, who knows? M- maybe uh, we see this new god versus old god with the elves. Maybe we see Phyrexia and Brian just quits the cast altogether. We'll just have to see in maybe six weeks. Well, guys, this is Mr. Combat number five signing out. This is Murphus signing out. And this is Brian telling all the Phyrexians to go F themselves. And <laughs> I'm signing out as well. Have a nice one. This is Murphus saying, all the Phyrexians, you can come live in my heart. If, <laughs> Wait, if, if they Brian did that, wouldn't you die? <laughs> yes, they would, and that's the point. I, I will be complete. Hashtag complete. Oh, God. <laughs> Hashtag complete with a hole in my chest. Maybe. We will see you at the next Multiversal Destination, Planeswalker. Planeswalker.